Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Service, in short, is not what you do, but who you are. It's a way of living that you need to bring to everything you do if you're going to bring it to your customer's interaction. And that's a quote by Betsy Sanders. And I want to say hello, everyone, and welcome back or welcome for the first time to The Profitable Photographer. As always, this is Lucy Dumas, and I'm sending you a great big virtual hug and knowing that before too long, we can hug for real. So if you come to San Diego, come find me, get me a big hug. Okie doke. So <laughs> my guest today is somebody that I've had quite a few laughs with over more than a few glasses of wine, <laughs> not to mention really inspirational conversations. Before I introduce him, I want to share that I'm just about to celebrate my 100th episode. Woohoo! <laughs> and it would be so great if you would join my Facebook group called The Profitable Photographer and then post ideas that you might have for some great guests that I can have for the next 100 episodes. So let me try <laughs> to introduce Mitch Graff. He may have to fill in some dots here, but he says he's a lifestyle entrepreneur, author, speaker, syndicated radio host, left-handed stargazer, doer, and daddy. <laughs> and actually, daddy of three should be at the top of that list. Yes. I, I have updated my bio to actually say daddy of three, followed by everything else that you just said. Well, yes. listen, first of all, congratulations on the 100 episodes. I mean, that Thank just you. shows that, and you've always had that grit and determination and the stick to to accomplish whatever you set your mind to. And 100 episodes is a lot when you sit there and talk into a mic, not knowing who's on the other side of listening. You know, you're just, you're talking, you're speaking from your heart. And that's something that you've always done in the 15 or 20 years that I've known you. Well, thank you. And yeah, it is a labor of love, as you know, because you have your podcast and radio show. And we just hope that it brings value to some people. And for me, uh, it brings me a lot of value in return to it. Yep. Um, and, and part of it is, I just love a good conversation. And so being able to think, okay, who would I like to talk to now? <laughs> And then I remember we, pretend we have a bottle of wine that we're sharing a nice bottle of a nice chewy red. Yes. I like my chewy reds and we'll sit there and, and have a bottle of wine together and we'll talk about business and making money and lifestyle and, and whatever else you want to talk All about. That good stuff. And yeah. sadly, Mitch, my chemist, my body chemistry doesn't process alcohol anymore. So I, I have to drink it uh, virtually. Yes. Because <laughs> I was a wine snob, but now. Nope. <laughs> yeah, just water and coffee. Water okay. and coffee. There you go. Is there anything like your bio? There's so much. Is there anything in a nutshell besides those that list that you want to okay. share about where you came from um, or kind of your background? But I'm going to give you 30, no, 75 seconds. 
Go. <laughs> oh my, what a great question. Well, I, I've been kind of the entrepreneurial minded type of person since I was little. I remember back in the fourth grade, I used to sell lemonade just like everybody else did. And everyone else was selling it for a quarter. I sold it for 50 cents, but I gave you a free cookie that was freshly baked that morning. My mom would make cookies. Mm. And I had a table with chairs. And so I was even back in then I was selling the experience more than just, you know, the eight by 10, so to speak. And then through most of my life, I've always had more than one business. I get bored very easy, Lucy. And my wife, every time I say, hey, honey, I got this idea. <laughs> she just puts her chin down and shakes her head because I love creating. I love building. I like trying new things. And I've tried so many things in my career that I've fallen down so many. I've probably fallen down 99 times, but I've gotten up a hundred times as long mm. as you get up that one extra time. But like today I have four companies. Uh, I have 57 employees. Uh, I just finished a new book, but most of my time is spent with my children, with my wife. And I live what I call the 24 seven mentality, which is 24 hours a week, seven months a year. And I know people think that sounds like a pie in the sky and it kind of is, but it's my shining beacon on the hill. And everything I do, it's about making sure that the systems that I have in place allow me to free up my time. And time is the most valuable thing that we have to free up that time so that I can do the things in life that are important to me. And being 59 years old, I have a 15, 13 and six year old. It's important that I'm there to take them to school, that I help them with their reading, that I say, how was your day? That's important to me. So uh, I kind of look at my lifestyle first and then I reverse engineer I've done this for decades to figure out what my business blueprint needs to look like. Mm. And I remember that little, I don't know if it was the first baby when I met you, or if you had the two littles. Um, Mitch, my little baby now is almost 16 and driving. So oh my God. That's very scary. Yes. So Mitch and I met at a photography conference in Oregon. Was it called Power Marketing 101? Yeah, it was called the Power Marketing Super Conference. It's something I did for four or five years. And we yeah. go to the middle of nowhere in the mountains by Mount Hood, bring in some phenomenal speakers. And it'd be three or four days of what I call it immersion therapy, where photographers from all over, literally around the world, would get together to learn not how to take pictures, but how to make the phone ring, how to have uh, good sales, how to have good price lists, how to set up your sales room, and how to, at the end of the day, how to have a quality of life that you wanted, whether that be to have a fancy car and a fancy house, or whether it be to sit in the mountains and stare at a tree, right? We yes. all have a different idea what that perfect lifestyle is. So I just thought it was a good idea to get a bunch of great people around the world in, in a big room together and say, okay, how can we help each other make our businesses better? Yes. And yes. you were one of my speakers, and it was just a wonderful, we did, like I said, four or five years back it's been a few years ago now, but um, that was a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, I met a lot of great people through that. Yes. So if you, listener, are thinking, oh, well, thanks a lot, but I've missed out. A lot of the speakers have been guests on my show. So <laughs> you're not missing out. <laughs> Other than the camaraderie and the evenings yes. uh, yeah, yeah. with a glass of wine, try not to get bit by mosquitoes. <laughs> and that's so, something, too, that I've noticed. You're talking about the virtual glass of wine. Uh, that's something that really is the last few months has, has become a thing. It is a thing where you literally pop a cork or pop a beer and you sit there and you have a Zoom meeting. Uh, and it's funny because FaceTime does the same thing. And we've had FaceTime for 10 years, but all of a sudden it's, it's cool to do Zoom, right? To sit there and look at someone through the camera on your computer. 
Yeah. But for 10 years, we, we had the, the FaceTime with, uh, with Apple yeah. or Skype. We can do it on Skype, but there's something cool about Zoom, having a glass of wine, sitting there talking, catching up with old friends like you and I. And uh, that's, that's something that's going to not, not go away ever. Yes. We, uh, we did a co get together San Diego and Arizona professional photographers last night to celebrate St. Patrick's day together. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I remember Lucy back probably 15 years ago, you were teaching some workshops in San Diego and I think I was doing a, a national speaking tour. And I think I did, I believe I did like a Wednesday night or Thursday night in San Diego. And the next day you were doing a workshop. So I come mm -hmm. came and hang out with you for a few hours with all your students. And that was a wonderful, that was a wonderful experience for me. I still remember it. Thank you. Same here. And I loved anyway. So people like, okay, but what can you teach me other than it's good to make friends in this industry. And honestly, it is <laughs> for so many reasons. Um, so you have a new book and I love the title. It's called Customer Service is Dead. So what the heck do you mean by that? What's your book about? <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't say the subtitle, which is. I know I did that on purpose. I let you do that. Okay. Well, uh, I, I like to write and I've written for. So, well, this is my ninth book. I started in the early 90s, and my first book was called Marketing Your Espresso Business. Another story there, but uh, I just, I like taking whatever's in my brain and sticking on a piece of paper for other people to consume. This one was born out of frustration, I think, more than anything with the level of customer service that we get from simple things like going to the grocery store to get groceries, to going to the bank, to... Uh, the guy pumping your gas up in Oregon, you can't get your own gas. So there has to be a warm body come up to you, take your credit card, swipe it and, and fulfill your order. So to speak. that's uh, only true in Oregon. It's only true in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but what you notice is that all the different touch points that we have with companies, they've tried to increase profitability, decrease the importance of that frontline person. And I've always believed that if you are a person that is representing a brand, let's just say you're a telephone sales representative and you answer the phone for Geico Insurance, you are representing that brand. You have the value of their brand in your hands. And anything you do or say is going to either build the brand value or decrease the brand value of the company that you're working for. But I've just seen it everywhere. I've seen it in airlines. I've seen it in restaurants where all of a sudden we have become a nuisance more than anything. And customer service has taken a back seat. I remember back in the olden days, used to go to, they called it a service station. I know you'll remember. They called it a service station. Yeah. It wasn't just a gas station. You'd go in there. They'd clean your windshield. They'd ask if you'd like to have your oil checked. They'd make sure your tire pressure was correct on all four tires. And it was an experience. And you'd go out of there feeling phenomenal. To this day, I buy Chevron. Because back when I was growing up, the people at the corner Chevron in Ridgecrest, California, down in the, in the Mojave Desert, in Southern mm. Cal, they would come and do that to our car. And they got me sold on their brand. Mm. So we did the same thing as photographers and videographers. We needed to realize the same thing when a customer has a, a touch point with us, whether it's on our website, whether it's our voicemail, whether it's in person, whether it's our, our person that uh, answers the phone for you. Those are all touch points that we have the opportunity to build that customer experience up. And I just see it kind of deteriorating over the last several years. So I wrote this book called Customer Services Dead, delivering six-star service in a one-star world. You know, we mm. go around on a five-star around 
hotels and restaurants and spas and everything is based on a one to five stars. Five means you've met my expectations. You didn't drop the ball. You didn't exceed it. You just, you did everything you're supposed to do. Here's a five star. Well, my whole philosophy, my concept for this book is what does it hurt us to give a little bit extra? What does it hurt us to, to go above and beyond to try to make sure that customer is not just met with their needs, but exceeded with their needs. And that's how the book is about. So I love that. And because honestly, like I have a vacation rental now and it has all five stars, except one over the last eight years and mm -hmm. hundreds of guests. And I wish, I wish they could give a six star, you know, so that I could know what to continue to do and expand and do better. Um, and of course, my photography business and my coaching business. Do you have some doable tips for photographers? Because I know, though, you speak to all kinds of people now, but some of your roots are in the world of photography. So can you give us some checkpoints of some six star things that a photographer can do to go above and beyond meeting the expectations? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I'll kind of break it down into the, into the simplest terms that I, that I know. Let's just say that you walk into a business and it can be any business. Let's just say it's your insurance, your, your car insurance company. You walk in and you see a, a framed certificate on the wall. And on the wall, it says, we are committed to making sure that we meet your needs. We promise to, and then it's followed with, we promise to treat you like gold. Uh, with every interaction. We promise to resolve any issues that you have quickly and efficiently. We promise to never forget that you are the number one reason that our business exists and you are the most important part. Uh, we promise to always listen more than we talk. And if you saw that on the wall, I'll bet you most of us would feel right off the bat, well, hey, this company cares about me and they're probably going to try harder than a normal company would in making sure that my needs are met. So before any interaction at all, I would feel uh, like I trusted this company. And mm -hmm. you know the old saying, you got to know, like, and trust somebody. If they told me that before I had a smile from an associate or a handshake from a gentleman or a lady, I would feel good about doing business with that company. Mm. Um, so the first thing you got to do is you always got to remember the customer is always the most important reason that you have a business. And I know that sometimes they're pain in the butts. I understand that. Big pains in the butts. There are times that you wish that you can just tell a customer to go take a hike. And there are times that that's justified. And I always tell people, if, if they are not helping you attain your ultimate goals for your life, it is okay to say no to them so you can go fishing, take a walk with your dog in the park, mm -hmm. or stare at that, tree, that palm tree in San Diego, whatever it is that turns you on it's okay to say no to customers that are not helping you attain your ultimate goals. Right. Hey, a little side question on side this. Answer. So if you know that someone is not somebody that you want to work with, mm -hmm. um, I'm not someone that would just lie and say, you know, well, I'm all booked up until, you know, 2222 22, or 2222. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, I said to someone, I don't think we're a good fit. And she took offense to that. And she went to, this is when I did weddings. And that's all I said was, 
I, after our, our discussion and what you were looking for, I feel like we're not a good fit. She went to every vendor at the bridal show. She called the person who referred me like crazy, another photographer, and told them all kinds of things that why was she wanting to book me if, you know, if those things were true. And so do you have any tips on how you would truthfully let someone like say no, thank you? Do you have any that that is the truth, but not? potentially making them wrong or bad because especially someone that I'm not a good fit for it's because I feel like it's dangerous territory Mm -hmm. where they are they are um the kind of difficult people where it as a good friend of mine would say it's going to lead to tears (laughs) exactly and you you have a sense of usually in the first five minutes after meeting somebody if it's going to be a fit right yeah, well, yeah. after I got out, after I sold my last studio in uh, the early 2010, 2011, um, I bought a couple of restaurants and sold them several years later, but I still have a catering company. To this day, I have a fairly large, it was fairly large until the shutdown, but you know, we'd have 30, 35 employees for the bigger events. And within five minutes, you know, if this is going to be one of those brides from hell, right? Photographers have to deal with them, videographers have to deal with them, and caterers have to deal with them. Right. I have no problem, and it's not really a lie, but I have no problem saying, unfortunately, we're not available for your event. Let me give you a couple other people that I think would do a phenomenal job for you. And I have no, and I will give them phone numbers and names and speak yeah. very highly. That way they don't feel shunned. They don't feel like uh, you're getting confrontational with them. Uh, they feel almost honored that you are giving. The, the, the recommendation to call somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I have two or three other caterers that understand if, we, if we're booked, if it's a client that we're just not gonna, we just know it's not gonna work out. We have no problem giving the phone number. So if they call and say, hey, Mitch over at G Gourmet Catering Events, recommend I give you a call right off the bat. They know they have to raise their game because we're all oh, about okay. our experience. Um, but they're always happy to get those phone calls. That way the client isn't upset there's no there's no friction created yeah. and it's actually a positive thing we would love to work with you unfortunately uh and what we say is we're not available for your day and right. that's a lie is we're not available but let me help you out well, a little bit let me give you a couple phone numbers of people mm-hmm. that i think would just do a phenomenal job for you yes two two comments on that for me when i say i'm not available it is a truth because i'm not available for them so you know what? that's a good point the, the preacher's preacher's daughter and me who he used to say you can go to the bad place for lying as fast as stealing i understand uh yep, so he, he drilled that into me but i'm not available for them the danger for me of sending it sending my my friends somebody i don't want to work with is why do i want to inflict them on my friends but maybe the fact that you've referred them they're on high alert to figure out if they're yeah. interested. Well, yeah. And there's, there's different levels of where you are in your photographic career. And for you, you've been doing this a long enough time. You do have the ultimate say on who you serve, whether right. it's for family, a senior a wedding, you get that ultimate decision. If you are available to those people, some other people that you might know might be great photographers. They're great at customer service and they're going to love to have anybody. Right. You know? And okay. they all have to go through those brides through hell. Yeah. Right. We all need our, our lesson. The, the, that uh, stand on a hill is God is my witness. I will never photograph somebody that I 
I have that feeling in my gut is going to be bad, a bad experience again. <laughs> right. Okay. Life is too short to yeah. not, not do the things in life that you feel are important. So. Okay. So back to your hot tips. Thanks for the little segue. So, <laughs> so for six star service, starting with that the customer is the most important reason we have a business. So focusing on the customer, mm-hmm. um, have promises that you are going to keep. Um, right. So what else is six star service? Like, can you give us some concrete specific? Absolutely. I'll go through the, six, the actual six points of the star because it's not a five point star. It's a six point star. Okay. Star number one is to do your best to exceed your expectations. Star number two Hold on, because I do a little wrap up. So one is, what's one? Do our very best to exceed your expectations. Yes. Star number two is to treat you like gold in every interaction, whether it be online or in person. Star number three is to correct our mistakes quickly and efficiently. Star four is to create an unparalleled culture of service excellence to create an unparalleled culture of service excellence. Culture, I like spell check, of service excellence. What does that mean? Uh, Everything from the frontline employees to the website, to the way you answer the phone, it's all about that six-star mentality. And it really is more of a mindset than it is you're looking for someone to give you six stars on Yelp. It's not really about the actual rating system. It's a mindset. It's a philosophy of what can I do to make my customer's life a little bit better today? And what does it hurt to give a little bit extra? That's kind of the philosophy of it. So star five is to build our relationship with you based on mutual respect. And I think that's something that's very, very important. A lot of times we don't show enough respect to the customer's and maybe it started because they didn't show us the respect we feel we deserve or we're entitled mm-hmm. to. And before you know it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a friction match where you're both going button heads. Right. Nobody wins that. And then they're going to go out there and they're going to post things about you and talk bad about you. It's just not worth it. So if you build that relationship from the very beginning, based on mutual respect, it really does solve a lot of problems before they ever become a problem. And then right. start number six is never forget that you, the customer are the most important part of the business. And so for this book, Customer Service is Dead, we've broken those six stars down into its own chapter to give actionable, here's things that you can do to make sure that you're exceeding your expectations. Mm. Here's things you can do to make sure you're treating them like gold. Here's how you can show your customers respect. Little things like dressing. This is something that drives me crazy with oh, yeah. professional photographers. You show up with a, a t-shirt and flip-flops to a, a wedding client meeting and expect them to sign 10,000 bucks. You're not showing them respect. If you show up three minutes late, you're not showing them respect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the little things like that, the little details really do make a huge difference. And I know it's, it's an old saying, it's been around forever, but it really is true. And especially in photography, because so much of what we do is the photographer is the chief bottle washer, the salesperson, the photographer, the editor, they, they do everything. Right. And so you are the brand. You are that six star experience that the customer either does or does not receive. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised at how many when I'm so my overall summation of what people are creating when I'm coaching is to become the trusted advisor. So you're building a relationship where they you mutually like and appreciate each other and they lean into your leadership 
And some of that starts with, because how you're treating them is as if they're so important because they are. So when I'm coaching people and we're, we're working on how you uh, speak on the phone to a potential client, so many don't even answer the phone professionally. And so our first training is how they answer the phone. Even if your home phone and your work phone are the same, if it's your work phone, you answer it professionally. And if it's a friend of yours, then okay, they understand. So yeah, and that it's not like we don't have to have champagne and candy and, uh, you know, a, a parade out front for them. But those, what seems pretty normal to me, treating customers like gold and correcting mistakes and being on time and building your relationship, all of those things. But um, I agree that a lot of people, what I'm trying to say, but that no, it, it isn't, it, it's how we should already be running our businesses it is not about something fancy, but about every step of the way being impeccable in how we communicate our brand, how we treat our clients, how we meet the expectations. Um, you know, we don't have to be fast. Like I usually say eight to 12 weeks to deliver the three to eight wall portraits and books and mm-hmm. such, but I let clients know. And then I deliver early. And, and they love it, that, don't they? They absolutely yeah. love it because you set your expectations, but then you exceeded those expectations. And so that's a perfect example, Lucy, about how a photographer can exceed. And so what she, what I recommend doing is take every aspect of your business from the phone to your website to events that you have a, a booth after like bridal fairs or mm-hmm. chamber of commerce events. And I need you to break down every single system that you have within your four walls, virtual or otherwise, and then rebuild your systems for taking care of the customers one piece at a time, but you rebuild it with fewer moving pieces. So it's easier for the customers to understand, easier for them to say, okay, here's the expectations I have for the company, and here's what they're going to do for me. A lot of times photographers get so bogged down in 19 different pages on their price list and six FAQs on the website. It's like, no, 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 no build a relationship and you always start a relationship with a smile. And I know that's old school, but, but the new generation of photographers, they're not being taught that first little 10 seconds when that relationship is being started, you start with a smile. If you start with a smile before the first word is spoken, what happens? The other person usually gives you a smile back. And even Mm -hmm. if they're, even they come into your, your studio with an issue or they're angry about something. If you meet them with eye contact and a nice smile, it really does truly melt a lot of things away. So it becomes a softer interaction. But one of the things that bothers me too is people will say, hey, welcome to XYZ. How can I help you? That sounds like there's no emotion whatsoever. Like they don't care about me one iota. And it's just the training that people are getting in all industries. I see it all over the place, all over the world. How can I help you? That sounds Mm -hmm. so unemotional. You don't care Mm -hmm. about me. I want to show, I want you to show me that you care a little bit. You don't don't know me yet, but show me that you care. And guess what? You might get some of my money down the road. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, I was going to say, but Mitch, if I'm on the phone, why bother smiling? 
Oh, you can. <laughs> this is right a setup, now, Lucy. Right now, I'm smiling, and I know that you can hear that I'm smiling, yeah. right? And yeah. that sounds simple, and it is, but it's something that's just important. You smile from deep inside your your soul. It comes out through the the phone line. Your client on the other end, whether they know you or not, they're going to hear it. And if you're sincere in the language that you use, you know, body language is such a powerful tool for photographers when you're trying to read a client especially if you're in the sales room, right? That body language yeah. gives you all the signals you need. But on the phone, there's also buying signals as well that you need to be aware of. But the way you get to that is by having that client melt that wall of defense, right? The first question they want to ask is, how much are your 8x10s? How much, you know, that's the first question, no matter where you are in the world, how much? Mm -hmm. So if you understand that's coming, you need to have an answer for that in Locked in, loaded, ready to go, because you know that nine out of 10 people that call you are going to ask you how much. So whether you answer that question directly or you say, you know what, typically what you've told me, someone in your situation can expect to invest between X and X, but it's completely up to you. You kind of give a range. That's, mm -hmm. That seems to be one of the most popular things for most, especially high-end photographers. You don't want to give them exact prices because you can. You don't even know, know. But you give them a range. There's nothing wrong with giving them a range. And that also is a pre-qualifier. Right. If they, if, they don't, if they say, oh, my gosh, that's a lot more than we wanted to spend, and you included that low end, the low end that you're willing to show up on a Saturday and work for or a Wednesday night and work for, guess what? That client really isn't meant for you. And thanks for calling, Jamie. Let me give you a couple other phone numbers of photographers that would do an incredible job for you. And they're more in line with what you're looking to spend. Mm -hmm. Is that handy? Let me give you those phone numbers. Yeah. And you pass them off. Yeah. Okay. I'm got a segue. I'm working okay, on that's here. Segway. Segway. <laughs> segway. Because when you mentioned the uh, 24 7, 24 hours a week, seven yeah. months a year. Yeah. Uh, and also, you talk about living like every day is a Saturday. Yeah. So, um, is that two different thoughts or it's can two you? Two different philosophies, but it's all kind of tied to the same thing. And I, okay. if I can tell you the story about how, why that 24 7 uh, is part of my fiber today, this is back, I was in my late 20s. My younger brother, my younger sister, my mother, and my stepfather, Pat, uh, we all lived in North Idaho up in Coeur d'Alene. I had finished college and I had come up for the summertime. My mom and stepdad had purchased an old boat. It wasn't new. It was an old broken down boat, but they, they saved for a long time. I, you know, I didn't come from a, a, a rich family. They were, Both of them worked 40, 50 hours a week just for us to, to get shoes and food on our table. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they, they bought this old boat. We called it Big Red. And then one Saturday afternoon, we all went out to Lake uh, or Hayden Lake up in North Idaho. And we got my stepdad a captain's hat. And he was as skinny as a rail. He wasn't any more than about 150 pounds, dripping wet. But my brother and my sister, my mom, Pat, and myself were out there. And we're it's beautiful sunsets going down. It's warm. It's 80, 90 degrees. He sits up there with his chest pumped out. And he says, babe, I wonder what the, the poor folk are doing today. Hmm. And my mom looked up to him. And, and that was a true statement, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> we were the poor folk. And my mom said, baby. We are the poor folk. And all Pat said, and I remember it to this day, is he said, babe, not today. Aww. And at that moment, we became the richest people in the world because yeah. it wasn't about how much money was in our bank account and where we went on vacation, what kind of car we drove. It was about being in that moment 
and, and living to the best that we can in that moment, not the next day, not the next year, but just being, being caught up in that, in that uh, two hours of time. Well, mm-hmm. a couple years later, he uh, had a, a massive stroke and, and passed mm. away. But he loved my mom more than I think any human could ever love a person. I mean, he, no. just, he just oozed with love for my mom. And because of that, all three of, the, of us kids really took him in as, as dad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but ever since that moment, I decided that I want to live. I don't want to live to work. I need to work to live. I got to have a living. But I don't want to spend one minute more than I have to at work because there's so many things I want to do. My kids are on uh, spring break right now. We're talking about what are we going to do for spring break? Well, we're going to take the motor home. We're going to go to a place called Camp Dakota and do paintballing and metal detecting and zip lines. And it's, it's, we're going to be doing that mm. here in about three more days. Oh, fun. That's what makes life worthwhile. That's yeah. it 24-7. And there's weeks that I, I get there. There's weeks that I am working 60. You know, with this book launch right now, I'm doing lots of interviews and, and lots of different things. I'm, I'll probably put 60 hours this week. But you know what? Next week, I'm only working about 10. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, it's, a, it's more of a mentality. It's more of a shiny beacon on the hill. And every day I wake up, what can I do to be more efficient with the work that I have to get done so I can spend more time doing the things that are important? And the other example I like to give is uh, retouching. If you were to ask most oh. photographers, how much is a retoucher worth? If you were to hire a, a full-time retoucher to come into your studio, what, what do they get paid in San Diego roughly per hour? Um, I, well, that's a 20, 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week. Um, if they were working in the studio, maybe $20 an hour. Okay. And then if you were to ask an owner of a studio, are you willing to work for 20 bucks an hour? Most owners I talk to say, well, no, I would never work for 20 bucks an hour. I'm a certified professional photographer, right? My album mm-hmm. was album of the year in my state. Well, if you are doing your own retouching, and now this is going to be hard for a lot of people to hear. If you're doing your own retouching, you are doing 15 to 20, maybe $25 an hour work. That's not where the owner needs to be spending their time. Right. You need to be spending your time at the $500 an hour activities, growing your business, the bigger vision of your company, where are you going to be in three years, five years, 10 years? What's your exit plan? You're not going to do this forever. You need to have an idea of what your exit plan is going to be. Are you going to sell? Are you going to put money in the bank so that you can retire off of that savings? You got to have a plan. You can't just let let your uh, your studio go like a, a bubblegum wrapper in a parking lot. You got to have a business plan that's sound. Right. And so many photographers don't even realize that they are worth 200, 300, 500 an hour. So one of the things I do um, when I'm coaching people is we come up with really simple one-year, three-year, five-year business plan. Right. And we figure if they want to earn, let's say $40,000, which for some people that's, you know, that's a dream. Yeah. They can quit their yeah. other job or... Um, and if you're keeping 60% or... Th- 40% of every dollar you bring in, then $100,000 is what you need to earn. Exactly. And if you can and want to do, let's say two clients a week and have a couple vacation times, that's a hundred clients. So when you break down that hundred clients and a hundred thousand, that's a thousand per client. And, you know, as you break down the hours, you realize photography out anyway uh, too many numbers but 
<laughs> generally 200 seems to be the minimum when I break down people's goals and they realize their time is worth $200 an hour. Exactly. And the first thing I always do, because so many women are now in this industry, is encourage people to get a housekeeper. Like, why are you vacuuming and sweeping? If you had a studio, you get a janitorial service, you know, Bill Gates doesn't, doesn't uh, vacuum or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's right. Step well, one. What it is, is identifying what it is that you do during the typical workday. And there's an old thing called the Pareto's principle. 80% of our results come from 20% of our clients. Right. Which means 20% of our results come from the other 80%. So if you understand that going in, your goal is to figure out, okay, here's my, my eight hour day what two hours are the most important time and most important activities that I have to get done in order to grow my business. And once you identify those high valued activities, you identify the things that aren't necessarily things that you have to do. Yes, they're important for you, uh, you know, retouching files and, and building albums, all those kinds of things. But guys, that's a 15 to 20, maybe $25 an hour job. Right. Hear it now. I can't afford to pay somebody. You know what? I think that you can't afford not to pay somebody. Absolutely. I spoke, uh, last week at the Vermont uh, annual convention mm. and we were, it, it was a, it was a workshop. So I had everybody's face on my screens and it was, I like to have interaction. I, I don't like to sit there and just be a talking head. I oh, want yeah. you to ask questions. <laughs> I want your input. I want you to tell the group what works for you, what doesn't. So we're having this conversation and uh, we had the same, same uh, dialogue we're having right now. And one of the guys said, Hey, I use uh, an, an offshore service that it took them a couple of days to figure it out. But now I can't imagine doing anything with anybody else. And then two other people said, yeah, we use the same company. So here's three professional high end. They're all high end photographers. They're paying $5 an hour to get their wedding images retouched and calibrated and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden these people are saying, do you know how much time I'm saving on a weekly basis? Because I'm not sitting there at 10 o'clock on Sunday night retouching. Mm -hmm. um, almost th that becomes a, a revolutionary thing. If you can just free up a handful of hours a week, that's where magic happens. Oh yeah. That's why you're looking to do is figure out what the high value activities are, do that right. <laughs> and then figure out ways to offload everything else. Yes. One of my uh, trainers in this coaching space, and I do this with my coaching clients is he has this, what he calls the cake and cringe pyramid. Cringe? Cringe, like, okay. ew, you know, cringe. And so what do you love? What do you like and love to do in your business? And, and write it in a pyramid, you know, where the top is pointy, like at the top, you love, love, love. And then the middle is uh, you enjoy it. And the bottom is you don't mind it. And then what do you really hate? sort of hate, kind of hate. And then, <laughs> and then look at that pyramid and figure out which of the things on the cringe side you can get someone else to do and think about the time and the emotional energy Absolutely. that gets freed up. And yes, there are some things like my finished wall portraits, I need to complete the editing because it's an extension of my art. Exactly. And that's, that's different when you're trying to say, you know, how much, you're, how much are your 1620s? If somebody wants to buy a canvas 1620 from you, how much is that? 
Um, it ranges seven to seven hundred, yeah. two thousand, and probably low. But I, I and sell they, a lot. They expect I, to have Lucy's personal touch on that. They expect that. Yes, <laughs> that's different than touching basic images on a wedding album. Yeah, but there are people like Bradford Rowley, the millionaire photographer. Do you know right. Bradford? Yep. Yeah. Where I'm sure he doesn't retouch anything. Um, Phil Cheris back in the day. Oh did, yeah. Um, Bradford is is pretty much Phil Cheris business model with yeah. with several studios and you know anyway he didn't do his own retouching and they were done by hand on the negative and on the prints and um, he took the picture handed it all off and collected three hundred dollars three thousand dollars for a sixteen by twenty <laughs> don't pass go do yeah. collect three thousand dollars exactly so, every time. Yeah. Yes. And the rule of thumb is if you can if you can teach somebody to do things 80% as good as you, and then as they go along in time, you continue to tweak and massage yes. and give them the tools that they need to get better and better and better every single day. If you're being a good leader to your staff, whether it be in-person staff or virtual, it doesn't matter. If you're a good leader and you continue to want to, them to get better at their craft, guess what? One day they're going to be better than you with the retouching. Right. And that's not a bad thing because yeah. now you have freed up all that time to reinvest into building your business, going for a walk, taking a nap, watching a game, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. You, need, you know. Well, and um, there are people right now that do it already better than oh, yeah. we do. My, I have a virtual assistant that, that makes lead pages for me when I, have a special or a launch or something she knows how to do that stuff and it would take me months to to even learn it like why bother i and i i pay her high for right the, in the philippines her rate is very high but I, she's worth it because she has skills i don't so we don't even have to learn everything we just have to know how to find people who can do and recognize when things are done well. And the hard part too, is because we know how to retouch. We know how to do it. Maybe we think we should, right? And it's not the right answer at all. Right. But what I'm saying is there are people who highly probably know how to retouch better than most photographers. Oh, exactly. The old, the old saying, you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and then let them do their job. Right. <laughs> exactly. Cause it, it takes a long time to be really, really good at retouching. And I have to tell you my thumbs between carrying cameras and, and retouching, I have some painful tendonitis in my thumbs and Oh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I imagine. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're not out there trying to produce 20, uh, large wall portraits a week you are very selective with the clientele that you work with and you've earned that right over the years mm -hmm. um but you're if you were doing like that you definitely would have to offload that but you're yeah. not you're doing selected clients where the hand that lucy dumas hand hands-on approach that's what they're paying you for is the artist lucy right uh, but you know a lot of photographers out there they're trying to shoot 100 seniors or 20 weddings or you know 50 kids or 75 family portraits whatever their niche is so what happens is you start spending about three quarters of your time with the digital file right so three things that make you money shooting selling and marketing yes. shooting selling marketing everything else does not make you money you got to shoot sell or market 
everything else, you need to find someone else to do it for you. Yes. And one more thing on that is I think when people say, okay, I'm going to find somebody to do this. So many photographers undervalue themselves, underprice oh, themselves, yeah. don't learn how to sell. Oh, yeah. no. And that when they're doing it, how much time they're spending with a client, if they pay someone else to do that, that's professional at, we'll just say editing and designing albums, that person they paid would get more money in their pocket than the photographer does. Did that make sense? What I explained? Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. That you, it's a way to realize that you're not charging enough and you're not attracting <laughs> clients that are, point. you yeah. might as well be working for somebody else and do their retouching and such and let them have the headaches of marketing and sales and so forth, except the fun of photography, of course, exactly. but yes. Oh, well, and there, there's a, you know, the old saying, if you, it, whatever the cost is and your cost isn't it isn't what it costs to get your eight by ten from the lab no your cost includes the shipping includes the, the person that answered your phone to take the appointment uh it included the the uh, the folio or the album that is going around the picture it includes all these little nickel dime things once you figure out that number you take that it depends on where you are in your market as far as are you high end are you low end are you mid, mid, are you in the middle you either times it by three, you times it by four, times it by five, there becomes a formula. And then you, that's, that's what tells you where you should be mm. with your pricing. Like with catering, uh, most caterers are three X. So if it costs them 10 bucks to make a meal, they're charging $30. And that covers the payroll, the gas to get them there, the equipment, the sterno, all those kinds of things. We're in a position now, I and mean, we've worked hard over the years to get there. We are five X. So whatever it costs me to, to deliver a barbecue meal on a buffet line, that's a 5X formula right. for us. And, uh, and not everybody can afford it, but that's okay. Yes. We have created this branding, this perceived value. And there's another buzzword, the perceived value that we, people think that we are worth more than the typical cater because yeah. we believe we are and we make them believe it. whether we are or not, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> we're, right. we're just caterers, but we make them believe just like with photography, you got to make right. them believe that you're going to do the best job ever if they right. hire you as their photographer. So Mitch, I have a different philosophy about pricing photography. Yeah. Uh, I do not condone a multiplication factor other than a minimum. If something's expensive, like if, if I'm buying a metal and with shipping and everything, it's going to cost me $300. The least I would sell it for is 900. Right. And then you got to take what the what the market will bear right <laughs> but when the well and how i create my business so uh, if i can sell it for fifty thousand dollars i will yep. but things that are pocket change like eight by tens and such i don't factor in at all the hard cost of that because it's so minimal so i minimal. i go from how much money do i need to reach my goals per client what do i feel like in easily sell each client and then how do i price those items so it all totals up to the the amount keeping my cost of goods 20 percent or less so right. um i think that's the some people when they hear the markup they're not realizing all the time and what your time is worth so they think three times an eight by ten okay well that's ten dollars then and that is <laughs> right 
right. not what you're saying. <laughs> well, Carol, well, there's three ways that, that you, you need to figure out where you are with your prices. Number one is the cost. And like you said, that's just the minimum. If you're going to apply a factor to it, that's the minimum that you charge. That's number one. Number two is what the market will bear. What, what's everyone else in your market charging? Where are you in relation to the rest of the market? And number three, what are your lifestyle choices? And that's right. what you said. If I, if I can get $50,000 for that wall portrait, guess what? I'm going to get it because that's, that's based on what your lifestyle goals are. Where are you going to live? How much does it cost for you to have the lifestyle that you have built for yourself? Where are you going on vacation? All those little details go right. in with thought. So yeah, it's lifestyle choices, your actual cost, and what the market will bear. So you put those all in the pot, boil them down, and then you come up with a right. And the tricky part about what everybody else is charging in the photography world is now with digital, uh, it has to be what are people charging who are giving full service and selling portraits and making a living at this. Right. Because the shoot and burners. Yep. There are within my zip code, Mitch, last time I checked on Google map, 880 photographers within <laughs> four miles oh, of me. So I, 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 880, 877 are charging basically pocket change, if anything. Exactly. So I can't look at them. I just, if there's three other people who are making a nice living, yeah. And they're doing the amount of work, the amount of, you know, their brand is similar, their quality is similar, all of that. That's, we have to compare apples with apples. Absolutely. Or the apple we want to grow into. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we're just about out of time. I don't know where that's from. The clock on the wall says that's all. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I'm too young for that. No, no you're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Clock on the wall says that's all. Um, so I have two questions for you. Yeah. So number one, well, one has two parts. Okay. How, how to get in touch with you and what is a little goodie that I know you're offering clients as a thing, as a gift. So, okay. well, the best way to get a hold of me is you just go to my main website, which is power, P as in Paul, powermarketing101.com. Mm -hmm. and then there's direct links right there that we'll get an email instantaneously we always get back to people within 24 hours if not less uh the other way that uh i, I want to direct people is to the number six hyphen star dot org what's a hyphen is it the underscore or the middle no one? it's it's a hyphen so six hyphen star. I, I always forget what a hyphen is yeah uh it's a dash it's a dash yes okay so six dash star.org.org. The word store, the word star, the word star. Yep. S T A R.org. And what I'm doing for the new book, customer services dead, uh, delivering six star service in a one star world. We're giving the book away for free. We're just asking they pay a little shipping and handling, but you can find out about the book there, or you can go to amazon.com and we have it in Kindle. We have it in paperback. It'll be hardback in a couple of weeks. So there is that. But I want to give your listeners a free book. Uh, last year, I wrote a book called High Voltage Branding. Go from ordinary to extraordinary. And if you go to powermarketing101.com slash free book. Awesome. Powermarketing101.com slash free book. You can download the entire, not just the chapter, but the whole book, High Voltage Branding. 
And that's something I think a lot of photographers, uh, the good ones get it. They mm -hmm. spend time thinking about developing their brand and the sizzle with the steak and going out and studying how not just other photographers, but how top brands are doing their branding. You know, mm -hmm. the, the Nikes of the world, you know, they're swoosh. Every five years, they change that check mark just a little bit to keep up with the times. Mm -hmm. And you can tell when you see an old stale fielding brand, when, when I say brand, like a logo, mm -hmm. you can tell if it's old fashioned. But mm -hmm. the good guys, the good guys that get it, every few years, they make little changes to keep it fresh, to keep it modern, to keep it one step ahead mm -hmm. so that it represents the kind of clientele they're trying to attack, to attract into the business. Right. That's a thing that I don't know how many people understand is that, that fonts and logos and design, oh, yeah. it goes in trends. And it it's, it's this intangible that I'm sure graphic artists can explain, but it, like I'll see someone's website and their logo and I'll just know, oh, they had that created 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I can't, other than like right now, there is a style of popular font that is very flourished uh, that has like some fat parts and skinny parts. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And honestly, 10 years from now, all of those graphics are going to look dated. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you remember the Zaf Chancery era? Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love that Coca-Cola. If you look at the history of their brand, it's similar, but it's always slightly different. What's old to do again, right? What's old but it, yes, but it's it, it, like they used to only have the script. And now there's like, there's like a, a more of a, I don't know if it's a sans serif, but more of a, you know, straight line yeah. traditional, but those scripts it's, and those lines have changed. So I love, I, I'm crazy about the whole branding thing. Um, well, and the thing about branding too, Lucy, and you understand this very well, is that you, you need to, A, you got to represent who you are as a person. I mean, your brand is, is you, but more importantly, you have to look at where you want to be tomorrow. And that brand that you're developing has to be at that level. You mm -hmm. look at what everybody else is doing in your market, and then you don't do that. You run as fast as you can, the opposite direction. So if everyone else is using the same sans serif types of fonts and the same color pastels and everything, don't do that. You have to look, feel, smell, sound different in order to separate yourself from the rest of the pack in your market so that all of a sudden you have this hook, you stand alone, people recognize you as a standalone, you do something special and unique, plus you give them that six-star, unsurpassed, impeccable service that I they can get from anybody else. You do that, magic will start to happen in, in your photography business, and, and all the lifestyle choices that you're making are going to come true. So you might have just answered my, my final question. Oh, no. Ask me um, a different one. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um, but before I do, I want to remind you, darling listener, that I'm going to do a wrap-up of this conversation today so you can get the cliff notes. So the question was, what is something you want to make sure people take away, either something you haven't shared or just something in your heart that you want to leave people with? I think right now, because this is where my mind has been immersed so much lately and just talking about the, the customer service aspect, that really is something that has the potential to separate 
you from everybody else. And I don't just mean other photographers. I mean, from the insurance agent and the car dealership and the everything, mm -hmm. the way that you take care of your customers uh, is, is so important. And, and there's two questions that I want people to ask themselves every single day. Number one, what can I do today to make my customers' lives a little bit better? And number two, what does it hurt to give a little bit extra? And what, what does extra mean? Well, that's different depending upon the situation. Every situation has something different, what it means to go over and above the call of duty. So you ask themselves those two things, it becomes a mindset. It becomes a philosophy that seeps down into every fiber of your body. And eventually that's what you become known for. You know, when I was a photographer, I, I wasn't great. I won awards. I was just an okay photographer. But you know what? My averages were through the roof and I had, I, I kicked butt on all my competition, wherever my studio was, because mm -hmm. I understood about branding and sales and marketing and all those little things. But I was average a photographer and there was people that would get mad at me because I'd get the big clients. They go, Graf, you're not even a good photographer. It's like, yeah, I take <laughs> care of I know right. how to make sure they feel special and I go above and beyond. So you ask yourself those two questions. I mm -hmm. think that does have the potential to revolutionize the way that you think about having a successful photography studio today. I love it. I love it. So Mitch, I was so excited to have our conversation today. This is and great, Lucy. I just, I, I miss you. It's been so long since I've seen you in person. I, I keep up with you and uh, you're doing a phenomenal job. Congratulations on the hundred episodes. Uh, maybe we'll talk again close to 200 episodes again and we'll see yeah. where we, we are in life then, but uh, congratulations and keep up the great work that you're Thank doing. Thank you. And, um, Maybe you'll show up at the next PPA conference or some other something somewhere once we can all travel again and see each other in person. I, I can't wait for those days. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mitch. And um, it's been just such a joy. Thank you, Lucy. Have a great rest of your day. So I don't know about you, but that was fun for me. Um, just renewing a friendship and kind of letting you in on, I don't know, some of the great things about this industry and making friends that uh, years later, it's as if you've been hanging out every day together. So I want to ask you a favor. Who do you know that you think would value this podcast? And would you be willing to share it with them? Because I've got loyal listeners, steady, great loyal listeners, and I would really love to have some new people come on board and be learning and supporting this show. So please share because sharing is caring, <laughs> as I've said before. All right, little quick wrap up. He talks about the importance of having systems so he can have quality time in his life, his living the 24 seven lifestyle, 24 hours a week, seven months a year, the importance of living like every day is Saturday. I just love that. And then his book, customer service is dead, delivering six star service in a one star world has the six ways that we can provide gold star service. So one is exceeding expectation. Two is treating your clients like gold. 
Three is correcting mistakes quickly and efficiently. Four is creating an unparalleled culture of service excellence. Five, building our relationship with the client based on mutual respect. And six, never forgetting that the customer is the most important part of our businesses. He talks about how little things make a difference. And he mentioned we start every conversation with a smile. And then we talked, as I said, about how to create a life that you want to live where what's important to you is how you spend your time. So working smarter, not harder, and having a plan. And then his last word was about how customer service has that potential to separate us from everyone else. And that we can ask every day, what can I do to make my clients' lives a little bit better? So thanks a bunch for tuning in and keep watching for that 100th episode and keep listening to the next 200 once we hit that milestone. And please share and please go to lucydumascoaching.com if you have any questions at all about what it's like to be supported by me. Okie doke. Bye for now and sending you a great big hug. Take care. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.